Praise God. Today, I want to talk to you about the knock-on effect. Have you ever lined up a set of dominoes one after the other and just tipped the first one and watched them all fall one after the other? It's very entertaining. You know, you can line them up in a straight line or you can line them up in curves. Whatever way you do it, it's very entertaining. You tip the first one, it hits the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and so on, and each one knocks the next one down until they've all fallen, of course. It's a knock-on effect. You hit the first one, it hits the next, the next knock-on effect. A few years ago, the girls and I experienced the knock-on effect. We were driving home one day, and there was a car stopped in front of us because he was turning off right, so we stopped up behind him. And then, all of a sudden, from behind us, this car came speeding and jammed into the back of our car, which, of course, jammed into the back of our car, which meant we jammed into the car in front. And as we jammed into the car in front, that sent us jamming backwards again. Knock-on effect. Knock-on effect is when one thing drives something else in a direction. Praise God. So I just wanted to talk to you about that today a little bit. Do you know the coronavirus? This coronavirus, horrible as it is, it will have a knock-on effect. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's true. It will have a knock-on effect. It's a, just a natural thing. You know, it will have a knock-on effect on our economy. And I know we as a church, as a live church, have been praying that that effect on the economy won't be as severe or as, as tough as is predicted or as the government are anticipating, but it will still have a knock-on effect. God is faithful. He answers our prayers. It will not be as bad as they say, but it will have some form of a knock-on effect. Businesses have been closed now for the last few months. That has to have a knock-on effect on them. It will have a knock-on effect as us as a people. Think about it. We all say we're going to run out and hug everybody as soon as we can, but will we? Will we be as quick to hug each other? Will we be as fast to shake each other's hands as we normally would be? You know, it's going to take time. It will eventually come back around, but it's going to take time. And that time is the knock-on effect. Our experience over the last few months will have a knock-on effect. It's just natural. That's what experiences do. They have a knock-on effect on our lives. The way we do things, the places we go, the way we live our lives, the way we react to people and situations. Our experiences have a knock-on effect on our own lives, but they also have a knock-on effect on the people around us. Amen? We have positive experiences and we have negative experiences. And that's what I want to home in on this morning, especially for us as believers. Amen. We have so much to share. Praise God. If you are a believer in Christ, you have so much to share, and it is so much positivity. All we have are positive experiences with God. God has done so much for us. We have experience after experience of God's compassion, of his love, of his grace, and we can share that. And you know, folks, when we share our experiences with God, when we share our experiences of his compassion and of his grace and of his love, when we share that, it will have a knock-on effect. And that's what I want to show you this morning. Your experience with God can have a knock-on effect. And you know, we see it all over the Bible. All over the Bible, there are stories and accounts that we can glean from. And I just want to draw your attention, first of all, to Mark chapter 5 this morning. Mark chapter 5, and in Mark chapter 5, we meet the woman with the issue of blood. 
this woman has had an issue of blood. She has been sick in her body for 12 years, 12 long years. She's tried every doctor. She has spent every penny she had. Nothing, nothing makes her better. Then she hears that Jesus is coming to town. How did she know that Jesus was coming to town? How did she know? She knew because she heard about it. Somebody told her, or she overheard a conversation. Knock on effect. See where we're going this morning? Mark chapter 5 and verse 28. First she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? She gets to Jesus. This woman gets to Jesus having been sick for 12 years and she touches the end of his garment. She touches his clothes. And when she touches his clothes, she's healed immediately, the Bible says. She was healed by Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, we meet the 10 lepers, 10 men with leprosy, a horrible, decaying, ugly disease, a disease that put these men in isolation. We know a lot about that at the minute, amen? It put these men in isolation, away from their families, away from their friends. They were considered unclean. Luke chapter 17 and verse 12 says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. So they met him. I I love this, because when I saw it, I was like, wow, they met him. How did they know Jesus was coming to town? They heard about him. Somebody told him, amen, knock on effect. Verse 13 says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. We know this one. We know that story also. We know about the 10 men, the 10 men with the leprosy, alienated from society, away from their families and friends, lonely, outcast, pieces of their bodies falling off. They were healed by Jesus. So what does the woman with the issue of blood and the 10 lepers have in common? You know what they have in common? They heard about Jesus. They sought him out and they were healed. Amen. They sought him out having heard about him. They had heard about him. And when they heard about him and sought him out, they were healed. They were healed by Jesus. Why were they healed by Jesus? Why? Because Jesus is love. Amen. Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood. He healed the 10 lepers. Why? Because he loves them. He had compassion on them. Amen. He healed them because he wanted them to live a full, abundant life, the life that they were intended to live. But another reason, and one that sometimes we don't think about, sometimes we push it to the side, we focus on the healing, we focus on the breakthrough, we focus on the restoration, and God wants to give us all those things because he loves us and because he has compassion on us and because he wants the best for us. But sometimes I think we forget that he also heals us so that we can tell others. So that our healing or our restoration or our breakthrough, whatever it is you've received, can have a knock-on effect. Amen? A knock-on effect. The woman with the issue of blood, she now has a story to tell. The ten lepers, they now have a story to tell. 
they have a story. They now have a testimony. They now have a testimony of the greatness and the power of God. They have a story now that they can share, a story that people will listen to, a story that can have a knock-on effect. You know the woman with the issue of blood? She had friends. She had sisters, probably. She had cousins. She had family. She had family-in-law, maybe. Her friends then had friends, and they had sisters, and they had extended family. They had neighbors. Neighbors had family. So on and so on and so on. So many people can hear about what happened to the woman with the issue of blood. Her testimony has such potential. It can reach so many people. It can help another person or another, another woman maybe with the same issue as her or a woman with a different issue. The woman's story, the woman with the issue of blood, her testimony can have a knock-on effect. Amen? Not only did this woman come to a trust in God after that, but you can have another, and then there's another, and then there's another. Did you know a sick person is no good to furthering God's kingdom? Because they're focused on their sickness all the time. It's not their fault. They're sick. They're focused on their sickness. But after this woman was healed, she had only one thing left to do, share her story. And do you think that she did share her story? You bet she did. And you know what? I'm going to prove it to you in a few minutes. Wherever Jesus went, there was crowds. The Bible tells us over and over. We see it in all the accounts of the gospel. Wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. When Jesus came to town, a crowd accompanied him. A crowd met him. There was crowds all around him. Why? Because people that had been healed had shared their story. The word had spread about the greatness of God. Knock-on effect. All these people that Jesus healed were starting to make a difference. You know, when God healed the ten lepers, when he healed the ten lepers, he caused them now to be able to go home. He caused them now to be able to go home. Ten men going home to ten wives, at least two kids each. Then their wives had families. Their wives had brothers and sisters. Their kids have, have parents that will hear this story. The lepers themselves have brothers and sisters and families and friends. The goodness of God spread like wildfire. Why? Because each person shared their story. They shared their testimony. A knock-on effect. We also have a story, guys. We also have a story. Each person listening to this has a story. Each person that attends a live church has a story. We didn't just drop out of the sky and land in this church, amen. We all have a testimony. We all have something to share, something to tell that God has done for us. And we need to share that testimony. We need to share it. Whether God has healed you, maybe he provided for you, maybe he restored you, maybe he restored a broken relationship in your life, Maybe he gave you financial breakthrough. Maybe he gave you the children that you never thought you would have. Maybe he gave you the home that you never thought you would have. Whatever God has done for you, you have a story. You have a testimony and you need to share it. It needs to be heard. Because I guarantee you, once you share it, once you tell it, once you express it at all, it will have a knock-on effect. People are greatly influenced by listening to other people. It's human nature. It's the way we are. 
People are greatly influenced by listening to other people's experiences. People will do things or they'll go places because somebody has told them about it. You know, somebody has told them, yeah, that was brilliant. You need to go there. So they'll go there. Or, yeah, you need to go to that concert. That guy is amazing. You need to go. So they'll go there. It's just the way we are. We like what we hear. When people tell us about their experiences, we like what we hear. And, you know, if somebody else has done it, well, then it has to be okay. It's the way we work. It's the knock-on effect. It's the knock-on effect. Myself, in our own lives, for example, when our girls started school, I hadn't a clue. I remember Emma starting school on her first day. I didn't know what to expect. But I had a girl that worked with me that had kids a couple of years older than our girls. And she told me so much. She told me what to look out for. She told me what to do, what not to do, things to get involved in, things not to get involved in. She really helped me. Her experiences with her kids had a knock-on effect with the way we raised our kids. It's just the way it is. I remember one that sticks out, for example, is Emma. When she finished her junior cert, it was time to go into transition year, and she didn't want to go into transition year. But Enda and I wanted her to go. We felt it was the right thing to do. But I started to research it just to be sure. And you know what? She didn't want to go, and you know, Sometimes our kids think they know best, but they don't. <laughs> Praise God. We have to lead them and guide them. But you know what? She didn't want to do it. And it, it, it. Because it was an event in her life, it was a big thing. So I went and I started to research it. And I started to ask other parents you know, that I knew from different councils and stuff. And they began to share their experiences, their good experiences, their positive experiences, their negative experiences, their bad experience with Transition Year. And that's how we made our decision for Emma eventually to do transition year, we listened to other people's experiences. And that's how we made our decision. It's just the way it is. People's experiences, they have a knock-on effect. It's just the way it is. TripAdvisor. Don't know if any of you have ever used the website TripAdvisor. We use it all the time. TripAdvisor is a, it's a website designed to help you plan your trip. So you're going on holidays, you want to plan your trip. You decide you want to stay at a certain hotel or you're trying to find the right hotel. So you go on to TripAdvisor, you put in the hotels in the area that you're heading to, and it will give you real-life encounters in that hotel. People that have stayed in the hotel will have, have, on the end, have added what they thought of the hotel or what their experience might have been at that hotel. It's a really, really helpful website. We never go anywhere without checking it out. If you've never used it, I recommend you use it. See? Knock-on effect. <laughs> Amen. But it, it can save you from having a miserable holiday. I'll give you an example. Okay? So, I have just returned from a four-night stay at the Angela Long Park Hotel. I found the staff very friendly and helpful. Nothing was too much trouble. The beds were clean and comfortable. Nice, spacious bathroom with powerful shower. The breakfast was scrumptious and plentiful. It was extremely child-friendly with easy access to all amenities and beautiful views of the surrounding picturesque countryside. All in all, a great hotel in a great location. See, it'd have to be my hotel, it would be nice. <laughs> but then on the other hand, I checked out another hotel on TripAdvisor, and this is what I found on this one. I have just returned from a four-night stay at the Endalong Plaza Hotel. I found the staff extremely rude and unhelpful, the beds were lumpy and the pillows were hard. Small, dirty bathroom with no shower. No child amenities. And it's situated quite a distance from all local amenities. 
My bedroom window was overlooked by two large tower blocks. All in all, a nasty hotel in a bad location. Will not be returning. So, after reading those two reviews, what do you think? Are you going to come to the Angela Long Park Hotel? Or are you going to stay at the Angela Long Plaza Hotel? <laughs> Praise God. Naturally, naturally, you will visit the one with the greatest reviews, the one that had the better reviews. It's just natural. It's the right thing to do. But you know what? Even though your decision would be to stay at the better hotel, at the hotel with the better review, each review had powerful consequences, amen? Each review was powerful. Both reviews helped you to make a decision, whether to make, go with the good hotel or the bad hotel. But both reviews led you to make your decision, amen? Both had the power to lead you in a direction. Both reviews had a knock-on effect. Both reviews had a knock-on effect. The stories on TripAdvisor have a knock-on effect. They can gain customers for a hotel, or they can, cause customers, they can cause hotels to lose customers. People are looking for direction, amen? We need to let people know about the goodness of God. You know, TripAdvisor, that's in the natural, amen? But there is so much in the goodness of God. Let me remind you this morning, let me remind you this morning that the enemy also has a voice. Sometimes we forget that. The enemy also has a voice, and you know what? He is not afraid to use it. He has no problem drawing other people away from other people. He has no problem using other people to draw people away from situations. He has no problem finding people to lead others astray. He has no problem getting his voice heard. And a lot of times, the negative voices can be stronger than ours. And you know that's so twisted. Let me remind you this morning that people will listen to the bad stuff as well. They will listen to the negative stuff as well. People are looking for direction. We need to let them know about the goodness of God. We need to let them know about our testimony. We need to let them know about our experiences. It's true. It's what God wants us to do. It's what Jesus told us to do. He told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is the Great Commission. That is what Jesus told us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news. Salvation, your salvation, that's good news. Your healing is good news. Your restoration is good news. Your breakthrough is good news. It's good news. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. God wants us to tell what he has done for us. He wants us to tell. Why? Because he knows. He knows how effective it can be when we tell. He knows when we tell our experiences, they are going to be effective. He knows when we share our testimony, it will be effective because that's how people work. That's how they're programmed. He created them. He knows how they think. He knows how they think. Amen. I want to show you an example of where, where Jesus actually told the man straight out to do this. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, if you want to turn over there because it's a little long passage, it's a little long passage, praise God. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, then they came to the other side of the sea, okay, to the country of the Gadareans. And he went and when he had come out of the boat, so when Jesus had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man 
with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So here Jesus basically encounters a madman. A crazy man. A man that the enemy is having a field day with. He was acting crazily. He was living amongst the tombs. I mean, come on. Who wants to live in the middle of a graveyard? He couldn't be bound. The Bible says they had tried to shackle him, but he broke the chains. He couldn't be tamed. He spent his days and nights crying out and hurting himself. So tragic. So, so sad. So far gone, but not too far gone for Jesus. Jesus cast the demon out of the man and into the swine. And look what happens in verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. So those that had witnessed all this happening, they went and they told it in the city and the country. And in turn, people came to see. Knock on effect. Verse 15, then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told how it had happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. This unnerved people a little, naturally. But you know what? God is so good. Jesus anticipated this. Look what happens next, verse 18. And when Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, look what Jesus said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis on all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. Praise God. When Jesus got in the boat to leave, the man who had been healed wanted to go with him. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Wouldn't you? Here he was now, clear mind, able to see clearly, able to think rationally, maybe for the first time in years. He wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus wouldn't take him with him. And you know, Jesus could. Jesus could have said, yeah, man, hop in. But he didn't. Why? Because Jesus knew about the knock-on effect. He said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. 
Jesus didn't take him with him. He could have. He didn't take him with him. He wanted him to tell his story. Tell them what God has done for you. Go make a difference. God wants us to tell of the good things he has done for us. He wants us to share him. He wants us to share what he has done. Just like he told the man in the tombs to share, go share your story. Go home, tell your family and friends. God wants us to do the same. Go, tell your family and friends. I have a story, guys. You have a story. And you know what? That word annoys me sometimes because it's not just a story. It's not just a story. I'm inclined not to call them stories because you know what? Sometimes stories aren't true. Not all stories are true. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, that's a story, but it's fiction. It's a fairy tale. Amen? It's a fairy tale. But the stories in the Word of God, they're true. We always teach the kids here in church that these are not just nice stories, nice little stories in the Bible. No, these are real accounts, real people having real encounters with God. My encounter with God, it's not just a story. Your encounter with God is not just a story. You have a testimony. I have a testimony. Jesus told the man in the tombs, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. What Jesus did for this man was real. It was real and lasting. Not just a fairy tale. Not just a little story to warm the cockles of your heart. No, it's real. It happened. This man had a life and changing encounter with the savior of the world. So the guy goes home anyway, and he tells his friends. And look what happens in Mark chapter six. Now remember in Mark chapter five, just a chapter before they had asked Jesus to leave. But let's look at Mark chapter six and verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized Jesus. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many touched it, were made well. So Jesus comes back around. Jesus left. Remember, they asked him to go ahead, so he left. But he told the man to stay and go home and tell your family and friends. Praise God he went home and told his family and friends. Because now, just a chapter on, Jesus has come back around again to the same area. And there's a complete turnaround. Remember now, a chapter back, they asked him to leave. And now all of a sudden, there's a complete turnaround. When he gets out of the boat, the Bible says the people recognize him immediately. And they run and they gather all their sick people. And wherever he went, whether it be villages, cities, the countryside in that area, they brought all their sick people to the marketplaces and they laid him, laid them in front of Jesus that he might heal them. The crazy man from the tombs told others about his encounter, just as Jesus had asked him to do. And the people flocked to Jesus. Knock on effect. Amen. Look at verse 58. Verse 58 says, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch the fringe of his garment. I think our friend with the issue of blood's been talking. Amen. Remember, she touched his clothes and she was made well. Knock on effect. These guys wanted to just touch Jesus' clothes 
and they were made well. Knock-on effect. Please do not underestimate your experiences with God. People are hungry for truth. They're hungry for the goodness of God, and you can tell them. You can help satisfy their hunger by telling them about God. When God, what God did for you, he will do for others. He's not a respecter of persons, amen? He is not a respecter of persons. Did you ever wonder what Mary Magdalene did with her life? Mary Magdalene that Jesus cast seven demons out? Maybe she set up a ministry for women in a red light district. Look at the testimony she had to share. Not only was she freed from a life of sin, but she was at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. Her testimony will help, help one person, and then another, and then another. Knock-on effect. Ever wonder what Zacchaeus did with his life? Maybe he set up a charity for giving to poor people. Look at the testimony Zacchaeus had. People flocked to Jesus wherever he went. Why? Word of mouth. Healings had been spoken about. Breakthroughs had been made public. Restorations were shouted from the rooftops. Knock-on effect. Let me just share one more example from the Word today. We'll just briefly go into it for time's sake, but I just want to drive this home today. It's the gospel. It's in the Gospel of John, and Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. Now, in order for the Jews to travel from Judea to Galilee, they had to travel through Samaria. But now the thing about the Samar Samaria was that the Jews didn't want to do that because they hated the Samaritans. So they usually went out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. They would put extra length on their journey to avoid it. However, the Bible tells us here that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Samaria. So Jesus goes through Samaria, and as he's going through, he takes a rest at the well. And as he's taking a rest at the well, this woman, this Samaritan woman, comes to him, comes up to the well to draw her water. And she comes up to the well, and as she's drawing, about to draw her water, Jesus speaks to her. Now, the thing you've got to know about this is, at this time, the Bible says it's the sixth hour. It's the sixth hour, which is not the time that the women normally came to draw their water. All the other women from the village would have came much earlier in the day to draw their water. They would have all come at the same time. They would have drawn their water. They would have had a little chat and caught up on the gossip, and they would have had all those things. But this woman came at the sixth hour. Why? Because this woman was considered a sinner. The other women didn't like her. They didn't like her. They didn't want to have anything to do with her. So she didn't come when the other women came. She didn't come at the normal time to draw her water. So she came at the sixth hour. That's why she's here at this time. But Jesus speaks to her. Now, can you imagine this scenario? <laughs> Not only do the Jews hate the Samaritans, but here's Jesus taking a rest in Samaria, but he's also talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, he's not just talking to any Samaritan woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman that's considered in her own village to be a sinner. Jesus speaks to her. She's a Samaritan and a sinner, but Jesus speaks to her. And he doesn't just speak to her. They have an in-depth discussion. They have an in-depth discussion about her life. Jesus is able to tell her all about her life, everything she ever did. He tells her all about her life, and he tells her all about himself. And he tells her about the living water that she can drink. As I said, we can't go into this for time's sake today, but this conversation changed this woman's life. She had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. What did she do? Did she go home and continue on with her life? No, 
she told everyone. She shared her testimony. She told her story. John verse 4 and 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. This woman went home and she shared her testimony. She shared her experience with Jesus. She shared about her encounter with Jesus. She went home and she shared it. And the Bible says many came. Many came to him and they came to him and they came to him and they got him to stay two more days. And because he stayed two more days, many more believed. So not only did she believe, and then who she told believed, but because he stayed two more days, many more believed. Why? Because she shared her testimony. Knock on effect. Amen. We have a story, guys. You have a story. I have a story. We have a powerful story. We have a powerful testimony. A story, a testimony that God wants us to share. God doesn't want us, you know, when God heals us, he doesn't want us to sit around and dissect just how, how sick we actually really were. Or when he restores us, he doesn't want us to sit around and just, you know, dissect how broken we really were. He doesn't want us sitting around dissecting it. He wants us to go and tell others. Knock on effect. We can bring light to others by letting them know what God has done for us. Our testimony can help somebody. Our testimony can help somebody in a similar situation. Our testimony can cause people to come to a trust in Jesus. Our testimony can make a difference in other people's lives. And you know what? We have a testimony, then they have a testimony. Amen? We have a sphere of influence, but now they have a testimony opening them up to a huge, a huge other plane of a sphere of influence. Amen? You have something that can help somebody. Your story is exactly what somebody out there needs. Whatever your story is, whatever your testimony is, God wants you to share it. So let's share our testimonies, folks. Amen. Let's have that knock-on effect. Don't underestimate the power of your story. You have to remember, it's God after all. God is involved, so it has to be powerful. It has no choice but to be powerful once God is involved. Let's do our part, amen? I was listening to two guys on the radio lately, and they were, you know, they were debating all things government. And one guy's statement he made, I just thought it was true. You know, it's whether you like this government or you don't like this government, whether the present acting government are your color or they're not your color. This guy said, there is only one thing that government will do with its power. Use it. I thought that was very good. They will use their power, whether they're the government you like or the government you don't like. They have power and they will use it. So you know what? Our testimonies are powerful. And there's only one thing that we should do with that power, and that is to use it.